keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and I am joined, as always, by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? Hey, man, I'm feeling all right. How are you feeling? Uh, well, considering the first time I just tried to record this, I coughed up a lung. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm a little under the weather. Uh, Dan, who is 100% totally retired uh, from the show has been retired for months, but is here every week. Uh, will not be here this week. He texted us. He's uh, he's sick. He's under the weather. Uh, you otherwise, know, the main thing was Dan was like, I can't watch so much wrestling. And then last night I had a spot and. Dude, it maybe it took me an hour before I looked at my phone, you know, in between time, 140 something messages from Dan and Mike and you about. Not even there weren't even dynamite spoilers in it. I was like, I don't want to look because dynamite spoilers. There weren't any. You guys were complaining about other shit in wrestling. That's what winds up happening. So I was I was away this weekend, this past weekend. So I didn't watch Crown Jewel Live or Raw. So I turned off like the notifications. I don't want anything spoiled. And my wife looks at my phone at one point. And she's like, Why do you have 140 missed text messages? I'm like, oh, it's uh, it's it's the wrestle roast group. And she's like, is there really that much to talk about with wrestling? And sometimes, yes, it's just fucking. It's a weird thing to to like and watch, and it's why we're fortunate we get to you know do this show every week and have an outlet so we don't have to actually like talk to people we love about wrestling. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Um. My 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 wife accepts that it's just something I like, um, and it's like it could be worse. Like I could like you know huffing paint or you know killing squirrels or something. So this is by default the better the better option, the better avenue. But yeah, I'm uh, pretty good at hiding my wrestling addiction at this point. I in life, you even last year, I would say no, I'd come off like a wrestling fan. I don't, I you wouldn't think so. I don't, I would hope not, but brother, if you're wearing a shirt, I'm going to bring it up to you. Oh yeah. No, it's like a, it's like a secret handshake. And I've, I've said this before, like every place professionally I've worked in my entire life, there's always people and there are always people in fairly high positions who are like closet marks. And because WWE is on my resume, I can't really hide the, the wrestling part of me. And They'll wait till like no one's around and they'll look as if they're about to like ask me if they can buy Coke off of me. And they're like, so like, is it cool if we talk wrestling for a while? And I'm like, yes, yes, it yeah. is. And you go for a while, you mean 45 minutes? Hell yeah. And that's usually what winds up happening. And they, it's, it's the beauty of it's like wrestling is just like that thing. It's everybody likes it to some degree. Few people want to just openly admit it, but when you get wrestling fans together, it's the fucking best. 
part of yeah. part of the fun for my trip this past weekend was it was my anniversary. So my wife and I went up uh, to New York for like 48 hours. We wanted to go see uh, Back to the Future, the musical, since both big Back to the Future fans. And since we were there, Spamalot was in previews. And the star of Spamalot is James Monroe Eichelhart, who uh, Tony Award winner for Aladdin. He was in Hamilton. Now he's the star of Spamalot. He and I became friends because of our mutual love of wrestling. So after we like we went and saw Spamalot, and then we got to go backstage after and hang out with with him and the cast. And rather than talk about the show or Broadway anything, we literally just sat there and talked about WWE. It's the beauty of being a fucking wrestling fan. It's it's weird and it's awesome and it makes us like socially inept to talk about anything else. Oh, I'm getting better at talking about other stuff though. I mean, I'm just as bad at talking about other stuff as I am about wrestling. I'm still like using the lowest form of words to express myself. But well, I can I can do it in like I can have an, a normal conversation with somebody. It's it's but once I know they're a wrestling fan and I'm a wrestling fan, it immediately devolves into nothing but wrestling talk, no matter yeah, what agreement walk of life they're in. Also, I just realized I was like, I don't wear wrestling shirts anymore. I found this stone cold jersey that I had from 1999. Bro, I've been throwing that on uh weekly. And it's nothing but conversation. Oh yeah. I have I have the one I have that one CM Punk shirt, the like the white one that he had after the pipe bomb. Sure, yeah. Uh went, I went to a house show and and we got the shirt. I have the WrestleMania 17 baseball jersey from when I worked at WWE. I found like some closet somewhere and they just had a bunch of shit and they're like, "Yeah, take something if you want it." And I always wanted that as a kid, but it was like it was expensive. It was like 60 bucks at the time. Uh so I got that and I got the ECW One Night Stand hockey jersey cuz I worked the event. Oh shit. And but what am I wearing a like I'm not Kevin Smith. I'm not walking around wearing a hockey jersey. Yeah, dude, I got to I got to I got to sell a lot of my wrestling shit too, honestly. Nah, you know what? Keep it cuz I had wrestling shirts when I was younger. I don't know where they are now, and I'm kind of pissed. Like my old Edge and Christian shirt, I had a Y2J shirt from '99. Um, I have my my uh, pro wrestling tee store shirts that I wear pretty much every day around the house, but I work remote. Like I'm wearing my kayfabe shirt right now, uh, available now at prowrestlingtees.com. And every once in a while, if someone recognizes the shirt, I'll get like it's a good like, oh hey. Otherwise, people don't know what the fuck it is, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I was wearing an AEW shirt one time, and uh, this this young cool kid saw me, and he was like, "Oh, that's that pretend WWE show," and I was like, "No, <laughs> dude, he crushed my soul. I didn't know what to do." That's fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the nice thing about uh, about wrestling is even when it's like, "Oh, we both like the same thing," they'll find a way to to like crush you, <laughs> uh, which explains eighty percent of Mike Lawrence. Oh God, yeah. Uh, but it's it's and, and I think that the takeaway, the conversation that was going on yesterday was literally that that dynamite was on, and none of the three of us were actively motivated to like put it on and actually watch it. Mm. I went up watching it subsequently because I knew we were going to talk about it here. I watched like the first fifteen minutes of it last night, and my daughter came out and like some of the pointed questions she was asking. At 10 years old makes you realize how fucking dumb that company is. 
we'll, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that when we get to, to Dynamite or Dud. But it was like Dan just wants everything to be great, and Mike just wants everything to be 1994 again. <laughs> and you know, you're you you just want it to be dope. Uh, but uh, we got a dope show for you today. We're going to be talking Crown Jewel. We're going to be talking AEW Dynamite, uh, our high spot, low spot. I'm pretty sure some of y'all can guess what we're going to be touching on there. Uh, we've got uh, we'll we'll be back with a a Patreon this weekend at the five dollar tier, the ten dollar tier, or something to sports entertainment with. I break down the post Crown Jewel Raw, and since I didn't tweet Raw live this week, since I was away. Uh, it'll be the only place you'll see my uh, my thoughts on that show. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but Scott, you ready to uh, ready to talk some Crown Jewel? Of course. So Crown Jewel was a show we used to like kind of ignore for political reasons, and then thankfully the Middle East was like, oh, we'll make sure the Crown Jewel is not the most controversial, uncomfortable thing to talk about. Uh, so we're kind of like, all right, I guess we can, I guess we can talk about Crown Jewel now. Um, Overall, yeah, all, yeah, we we had no idea. All all we actually needed was like storyline driven shit, and we'll watch anything. Well, that's pretty much it. It's like before it was Shane McMahon winning a trophy and Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement for yeah. a really embarrassing match. Like it was, it was completely... bizarro world. It, it was it was absolutely surreal. I I thought those shows did worse for you know relations to Saudi because it it felt like the Twilight Zone. We were like, what 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 are they into? And it turns out to be untrue. Obviously, I, I don't think those some of those demands seem like um, fibs now that we look back. No, I can see like somebody there tangentially being like, oh. Yeah, Yokozuno yeah, in 2019. Well, <laughs> you say that, but like, did you see the thing with Bill Simmons a couple weeks ago? And he's a legit wrestling fan. He's had Nick Khan on his his podcast. So he's talked about his love of wrestling. He was talking to someone and he was like, hey, why don't you guys bring back Test? Oh, no. And it's like, you know, you take for granted that everybody doesn't know everything. And they're, they weren't following like the obits in 2007. So yeah, but I just think mathematically, you look at a giant man f- from video in 1992, you go, all right, he's probably gone. Well, we'll see Paul White next week on Dynamite. Oh, my goodness. You're right. Yeah. Again, we're, we're, we're trying to keep it positive here, folks, before we get to the AEW stuff later. But it's like that was the other stream that was going on last night where it was just trying to find positive things to say about AEW and then it immediately turning into oh my god did you realize they're doing this and the part that bothers Dan the most outside of having to admit that I, I'm right about AEW sometimes which I think physically pains him is the idea that with WWE being good while also being the number one dominant brand it's not as fun for him. Like you want the underdog to succeed. You want the, the, the number two company to find a path forward. And when it's like the dominant giant is doing what they're supposed to do, I guess it's kind of less fun for, for certain people. Do you, do you find that? Or are you just like, fuck it? Wrestling is good. You know, I would think that, right. I mean, when you get Paul white involved in a storyline in 2023, I'm not happy about it, but 
when you break it down that it's th this this sort of uh last what is it called the last dra something dragon street fight and it's tied in with a, a, video a Sega game. Genesis video game or a Sega video game and you go okay let's see what they do with it I mean I think something I love about AEW is the let's see what they'll do with it thing uh, every episode is like an is a canvas for the wrestlers to paint on and so they're put into these scenarios that sometimes make me scratch my head but at the end of the day I'm always like oh let's see how they handle this and they always i mean they often handle it with like match of the year type shit so i i never complain because the quality is good i mean you know spoiler alert we got a match announced for uh full gear a tag match that i think is kind of nonsensical but at the end of the day the match they're gonna make it work it's gonna be unbelievable and we're gonna go holy shit another top tier pay-per-view but the problem with that from my perspective is and we'll obviously again i'm like the eighth time i said like we'll get to it later but it's like having the best special effects in a movie without any plot like it's got a really great action sequence but the overall movie just absolutely fucking sucks and i feel like that and i'm saying this without having seen them i feel like that's most of the fast and the furious movies i i've never seen a fast and the furious oh, movie i know they got good i, I mean, feel like the funny. the premise is just like what's the cool stunt or cool shit we're going to do, but no one's like, man, the, the intricacies of what Dominic Toretto, I think it's his name, uh, and his family are going through is like Oscar worthy. It's like, no, nah, he's going to take a car and it's going to turn into a rocket ship. Uh, sure. I think some guys do that, but I, I think the in-ring storytelling in like most AEW matches is, um, is all the story you need. I think it's like super compelling. So crown jewel, the other company, the the yeah, yeah, yeah. the the big one, that yeah, they made it like you have to watch Crown Jewel to understand what's going on, and from a, a a broad perspective, really solid show, really good top to bottom, but but not like there was no five star match on this show. That that fair? Yeah, to say? I saw that. This actually got you know those cage side seats or whatever the ratings that are, it's like rotten tomatoes for wrestling fans okay um, this was like the lowest rated wwe uh show of the year which is weird because everything was totally solid it just felt like a b b minus kind of show like when we get to melter the scotty melter flaming bowling pins we'll see but there was nothing on here that was objectively bad uh there wasn't yeah. a a swamp match there wasn't a loser has to have his eyeball ripped out of his socket match well i don't think it, it, it's not even just that um shows lately have been pandemonium uh especially like the the premium live events or whatever they call them now yeah the, the live crowds are freaking the fuck out it feels like attitude error shit every time these pay-per-views come around and so it's in saudi and the crowd is great and the crowds are usually okay they weren't at first it was hilarious remember they were just like hanging out on couches but well, um, it was like the royal family was sitting in the front yeah, and they're yeah. just there to be seen yeah but you know somehow these these uh u.s audiences and these other overseas shows that they do have just outperformed the crowd i think too in my opinion also it's a giant venue and um sound rises and it doesn't work out that great you know yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. So the show opens with Seth and Drew for the world heavyweight title, which I which I was surprised by. I thought this was potentially going to close the show just because the dramatic tension of the whole night was 
is Damian Priest going to cash in? What are they going to do? For me, I thought the match was really well done. These guys are both really good in the ring. It was really, really solid. I felt like they left some stuff. Like if you get to a rematch at some point, there's more for them to do. The This whole Drew being Bret Hart or Diesel when he turned, like when he was almost going to turn heel, that he keeps coming up with it. He keeps having excuses that are legitimate excuses. In this match, he hesitated when he thought Seth was hurt. It gave Seth an opening and Seth was able to win. And then after the match, Priest comes out to go cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. And Sami Zayn jumped out of the crowd and stole the briefcase, preventing Damian Priest from getting to cash in. So nice little bit of storytelling. You you established that Seth has continued to have the shit beaten out of him and he's barely holding it together. Drew could have won if he if he leaned in on the killer instinct, but he held back for a minute. And Sammy, look. It's not a good idea to jump out of the crowd no matter where you are. In Saudi Arabia, you better make sure every fucking security guard knows that spot's happening because that could have ended really badly for him. (laughs) Yeah, no, this was a solid match. All of Seth's matches have been very, very good. He's very, I feel like he wants to be Kenny Omega, but he's not. Yeah, I even saw the Sammy uh, Seth match on Raw. I'm going to talk about that later. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, Seth has this thing about him that's so amazing. Um, but it also prevents me from going like best, you know, top three. And I can't even say he's top three. I want to. Well, he was he, he'd be top one. three in like, you know, a lot of other years, a lot of other years up until like 2016, maybe. Well, he's number one PWI. Oh yeah, but sure. I'm just sure. like for whatever that's worth. So it's like he's I'd say he's he's gotta be top five. I, I guess I'm talking in ring because I'm what, talking in ring. You know what I see from him is it um something I saw from like a Mr. Perfect, which again, Mr. Perfect is one of the best in ring workers ever. So what am I saying? But what I'm saying is it's so well worked that it you it feels worked. You go like, oh wow, you barely sweat. It feels like um it feels like the practice of pro wrestling and not yeah. the uh, like the hard hittingness of pro wrestling. And I think that's amazing. It's like some of my favorite pro wrestling. The Sammy Seth match was unbelievable this week, but at the end of it, it's like, they're so good at fake wrestling. Are they faking sweating? Because this was all so smooth. Where did they have to sweat? Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit more Cirque. Yeah. Than- it's like reserved. And it's um there's like an elegance to it where like at the end of it, I could see them hugging each other and go, dude, thanks for not hurting me at all. Not once. Right. And that's pro wrestling. It rules. But dude, nowadays guys are kicking each other in the head. Sorry. Yeah. You need something where it looks more physical and intense than what you sometimes get from Seth. But I feel like Drew, like everything Drew does, it, like a lot of it looks like it's going to hurt. I know he's safe and all that, but like he's a very physical wrestler. When he had the matches with, with Sheamus and the stuff with Gunther, like even his Roman match, like everything with him feels like I do not want to get hit by that guy. That would fucking suck. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Uh, there was the women's fatal five way, which again, calling it a fatal five way in Saudi Arabia, I don't know. Uh, Zoe Stark, Raquel Rodriguez, Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley. This was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, which is a very low bar. I thought this was going to be like 930 Wednesday night style match. They found a way to kind of make it work. 
I don't think anybody thought Rhea wasn't going to win. So I'll take it. Yeah, it's the blunder of it all. It was fun and it, it did its job. The uh, choreography, like wrestlers have gotten better at the choreography of wrestling. Remember when there was any sequence that was longer than 10 seconds, people would just crumble? Yes. Typically, the, I mean, the women's division, you know? Because they look, it's like you could see them trying to remember what their next spot was oh, going to yeah, be. Oh, yeah, yeah. They would literally just have to stop what they were doing and collapse. That was a, that was like the Tori Wilson special. Yeah, yeah. Anytime yeah. Tori didn't know what she was doing, like you could just tell Dude, it was instant deer in headlines. Had, how many roll-ups did Mickey James have to do because someone just like rolled up in a ball and she's like, all right, I got to do a roll-up right now. I feel bad for, for some of them. It's like they came at the wrong era. Yeah, where they had nobody to dance with. You had you had nobody to really work with. There were some women who, if they were around now, like a like a Victoria or or a Mickey James or even a Beth Phoenix, they would be having these insane matches, and they never really got the chance to to do a lot of it because there's only so much you can do against Candice Michelle. Sure. Uh, John Cena and Solo Sokoa. Uh, John, so Dude, John knew John knew that that deal was getting signed this yeah time. I feel like John got the call from his agent like an hour before going out there and he's like oh okay I'll do it. we look we've seen this match with Cena and Brock we've seen this match with Cena and Roman where he just wants to go out there and make a dude and it's a nice story because one of Cena's I think you brought this up before like one of Cena's best opponents ever was Umaga those guys had killer matches. So Solo Sokoa getting to be the new Umaga, going in there, using the spike, basically killing John, and then treating it like, oh, is uh, is Cena retiring? They got the standing ovation. Michael Cole got the, the serious voice. It was good, but we've kind of seen it. Sure. I mean, it was like 15 uh, thumb strikes to the neck, though. Yes. That was kind of funny. It's a, like when he, if he wants to sell it, like it's it gets to like Wiley e. Coyote levels of yeah. getting yeah, beat up. He needs up. to tape his neck up. He needs to like have his neck leaning sideways. He needs bolts on the side of his neck when he comes back. That get, No, get the remember like Steve Carino years ago used to wear that halo when he had like the legit neck surgery. Yeah, yeah. Get that thing. But also, John Cena tweeted uh, the That's All Folks logo, which some people are thinking is him teasing retirement. I don't think he's retiring. Uh, some people are thinking it's him teasing the end of the SAG strike, and that's how he's celebrating it. We'll see. There's still money in it, and because Flair is gone, there's no reason that John shouldn't beat Flair's record. Why you got to bring that up? because the whole reason they didn't do it before was they wanted to preserve Flair's record. Now that Rick's gone, uh, you know, you got to murder the record. Yeah. You you got to murder the record. You got to shoot old yeller. Well, I mean, Tony's going to do that in a couple months for ratings. That'll be a special. Oh yeah. No, but first of all, if you think rabies could bring down Flair, like the, the dude is bulletproof. Uh, There was a segment with the Miz and Ibrahim Il Hija, who is the biggest box office star in Saudi Arabia. I guess he's their Kevin James because he's like a wacky comedian. 
Um, and uh, can you, by the way, can you imagine having to do comedy in Saudi Arabia? Dude, I would love it. Oh, you'd be you would be murdered within like five minutes. Yeah, I I I, I think I'd be fine with it. Uh, he gets interrupted by Grayson Waller, and we get like dueling talk show segment stuff to kind of solidify that Miz is a babyface. Uh, this all yeah, happened. Grayson is the new Miz, which is cute. I love Grace. I think Grayson is the new Miz is awesome. Grayson Waller is really talented at the sports entertainment stuff. He's got a good look. He's fine in the ring. And he's a guy that you want to see, like you want to see him get his ass kicked. Um, I wish Dan was here because I have a, I, the one thing about Grayson Waller, and I've never really thought this about many guys. He needs a little more meat on him. He's a big dude, but it's like, Let's let's add twenty five more pounds, dude. Let's go for this. Yeah, he um he needs to he needs to bulk up or he needs He's to tall. Get... He looks like a basketball player. I want yes. him to be meaty. He can either be meaty or he needs to be. <laughs> he can either be meaty or <laughs> he can be meaty or he can just get like super tone, like abs and stuff. Yeah, but when you're that tall and thin, he. He's so tall, he like has a Zack Saber Jr. look to him almost in in thinness. Yes, he's like Zach Morris Saber Jr. <laughs> Boom. There we go. Um this all kind of happened because I guess uh Gunther can't travel internationally right now with his visa. Saw that. So they needed a way to kind of solidify that Miz is a babyface still and this is uh this is what we got. Uh, we got uh, Rey Mysterio versus Logan Paul. What'd you think of this one? Loved it. Um, I knew I was gonna love it. I think Logan tells great stories in the ring. Always has great moments in the ring. And Rey is an absolute legend. I liked that ending sequence of like, it's what I had to do, and he's like, you know what you did, and he's like, it's what I had to do. There's something um forgivable about it but unforgivable about it he's a heel but you don't need ray chasing him anymore is what it felt like you know like ray doesn't need retribution logan can just continue on with the u.s title that save moment that everybody was sharing uh which so ray does a uh what do you call that like a lion salt off the rope kind of idea and he almost hits his head uh on the on the on the mat and Logan grabs him. And so that was pretty impressive. I do think Logan should have been closer and none of that would have happened in the first place, but he wasn't closer and he adjusted and made the save just in time. Like yeah, the I father think- with his baby, you ever see those videos online? Like these dad instincts that will just be washing the dishes and then the baby will fall and he'll like put his foot in the way. Uh, yes, I I've seen that. I've lived that. I get it. <laughs> I know you've lived that brother. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, the, the, the story of the match was the finish with the brass knuckles that one of Logan Paul's, like, flunkies brought out to the ring, and then Escobar goes to make the save, and he puts the brass knuckles on the apron where Logan Paul can grab it. So it's a, was it an accident? Was it intentional? Are we going to get some sort of dramatic tension? Uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent. Uh, we got uh, Bianca Belair versus EO Sky. The the big dramatic reveal here was Kyrie Sane returning 
to help EO retain the title over Bianca. Yeah, this was this was good fun, man. Um I'm happy Kyrie is back. I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of her stuff. I know Dan is like very into um the women's division and you know who like the women's division in NXT too from a few years ago. I'm I'm fairly unfamiliar, but I know they're all great. Yeah, no, Kyrie's awesome. EO's awesome. Uh it's a it's a it's a fantastic addition to a women's division. It's really it's really pretty crazy. Now what is this? Vince let her go and now Triple H it got her back or she decided to leave because Vince was in control and Yes. She left okay. because Vince was in control and she wanted to go do stuff elsewhere. Okay. And now she's back. Uh Damian Priest and Cody Rhodes had a very good but very pointless match. Like there was no reason really to have this match other than to continue to set up what was going to happen on Raw. Uh, you had all the Judgment Day run out. You had Jey Uso interfere. And then Priest was able to show he can hang on a main event level with a guy like Cody. Sure, absolutely. I, I thought this match did its job for Damien. Uh, I don't think this was a match anybody was looking forward to in terms of for Cody. No one was like, oh, Cody finally gets to fight Damian Priest. But it was, oh, Damian Priest gets to have a match with Cody, and it makes sense in the context of the story they're telling. They have to do it. It's like every storyline, not only are they pulling off, but they kind of have to do as well. They're not even like just out of their ass. You know, this group of guys does have to feud with Judgment Day because it feels like this group of guys is going to go after um, the bloodline again. Yeah. This newer version of the bloodline, you know? Like, yeah. it, it's all justified. It all made sense. It was a good match. Priest is showing he can be a main event guy. It was solid. Uh, like, again, it was just, it was solid. Uh, the main event, LA Knight, Roman Reigns. I'm going to let you talk first about this one. You know, it's uh, Roman by the numbers, but you got L.A. Knight in there, so there's this, like, crayon element, too. And so, yeah, man, it's Highlights Magazine for me, personally. I'm, I'm very fine with it, but it felt like, um, you know, being in the waiting room of the doctors, and I'm six years old. Yeah, that works. I it's think like that's it's, it's better than what I'm about to do, which is get a booster shot. But boy, I'd rather not be here at the doctor's office. It definitely did not feel like uh, the real main event. No, but also I will say this. I think it, it should position LA Knight into assisting uh, this this group of guys, Cody and stuff, in the future. Potentially, but they they're not going that route. It's and they oh, announced. Yeah, you know, I do like your pitch of LA Knight going for the U.S. title. Never mind, that's what needs to happen. He needs to just refocus. You can build that title um, to something really special with it being on Logan. It was already special with Ray. I mean, here's the thing. So LA Knight, there was no. They could not have waited another month to strike with him. I think the, the the bloom was coming a little bit off the rose of the audience. They were starting to see through some of the L.A. Knightness of what he does. That it's – he's got a cool catchphrase. People like saying, yeah, 
he's got an energy to him, but his promos are kind of whatever. And his in-ring work is equally kind of whatever. He went out and had a Roman Reigns match because Roman, like Flair or like Brett or like Hogan, has a formula. And Roman laid out the formula. LA Knight didn't shit the bed, but you couldn't have watched that match and been like excited about LA Knight going forward. Uh, I just think again, they're, they're set up in a way where you can at least be excited for a few storylines. He's going to be in That's more than I can say for a lot of people. So I think he's fine up until after WrestleMania. I mean, really, I think that U S title idea is great. I also think he could still have a match with Roman, um, in America. I think they should do that honestly on SmackDown, like on a SmackDown in December where they're trying to pop a huge rating. Let him fight him just one more time in like a few weeks. Thanksgiving. There we go. Yeah, you can get you could get a rematch out of it and beat him again. I think that's fine. Again, he didn't do a bad job. I just don't think that you watched that and you were like, boy, I can't wait to see LA Knight challenge for the world title again. It's we did it. We're done. We sold some shirts. Let's move on. I got to switch out my my headphones here. I'm getting like a weird issue with one headset and I don't know why. So give me two seconds here while I, I uh, plug in the other gimmick into the, uh, into the gimmick. Hey, Scott, can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. You're back. Yeah. I was just switching headset. For some reason, one of my headphones, like I was hearing you out of one ear and not the other. And it was annoying the piss at. Now I understand why people complain about the audio sometimes. (laughs) Uh, and it wasn't on your end. This was totally on my end. For whatever reason, my one headset was just being a, a dick. Yeah, you shouldn't get on my part, so don't worry. Well, that's all that matters, man. Uh, this is uh, this is good, and it'll be fun to see if uh, if Zach leaves this in or not. This is just this is stellar audio. This is <laughs> this is what the people come this for. Is a test, Zach. No, no, fuck it. Leave it in. People need to know that we work hard here to make the the show sound good. Um, yeah, unplugging the plugging it was plugging and unplugging like we're like 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 plugging uh dan's podcast uh the it couple a uh a terrifying romp through what it must be like to be married to dan saint germain as they watch horror movies <laughs> and uh and, and your show which i always forget the name because i know there was out for smokes and i know there was garbage days and i don't remember which one still exists out for smokes. There we go. Out for smokes. Uh, and maybe the archive of garbage days is still around somewhere. No, I wish. I wish. Wait, what I don't know you... how these things work. You, they just disappear if you stop like paying for them monthly or something. Dude, I don't know how any of this stuff works. I, I just know that I push record. I send the thing off. It gets uploaded. And if it's not uploaded somewhere on time, I will get messages from people complaining. Which I love you guys for. Like I look, I get it in the same way that if it's a podcast I'm listening to and the new episode isn't up in time, I'm annoyed. Like I plan, like this is what I'm gonna listen to on my ride to work. Especially if if I'm working, if I'm driving early in the morning, I'm like I want the thing in the morning. I like it at part of my commute, part of the whatever I'm doing. Exactly. Like I I used to love. I haven't listened to it in a long time because I don't have a commute anymore. Like I used to listen to WTF. Oh my god. And if it wasn't up in time, I was like super annoyed. <laughs> like I'm gonna like personally get mad at Mark Marin and be like, dude, like I get you've got your own shit going on or whatever, but get my podcast up on time so I can hear about, you know, 
apparently Mike was on it once, which I haven't he, heard because it's like you get to pay to listen to the archive. Me and Dan used to have the same management as Marin, right? Yeah. And you would go into – I'm not lying about this. I would go in for like meetings and shit and pictures of Marin everywhere. Marin and the workaholics guys, right? Everywhere because they were the most successful. One time I went into the broom closet and there was a picture of Dan there. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm not lying about this. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, oh my god, popped me, man. That 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 popped me now. I would have loved to have killed I, you know, me. I, like I, I'll be if if Dan ever comes down here and like he's at the house, I'm gonna have to hide a picture of him somewhere like in a closet, <laughs> a like just around. as a tribute. <laughs> But uh, no, you guys don't come down to Florida. None of you guys. Mike's the one that comes down to Florida. Yeah, man. And even when Dan was here, I saw him because he was here with Soder. Oh, oh okay, okay. So I went out to the, the comedy club to go see them and like, you know, hang out at the hotel and whatever. Uh, but, you know, you guys don't play Boca Raton. No. We do have a, com- we do have a comedy club, apparently. Or a black I've been to Boca Raton, though. You live in Boca Raton? How do you not know this? It's We're like three years into this show. I just I just heard the Florida part. Yeah, well, because no, there's different parts of like there's like where Mike's from. Yeah, yeah. In South Florida, and then there's like northern, like Tampa. Like, Dude, all know. my vacations are like um are depressing. So I went to I went to Boca Raton because my grandpa was down there, and he he had he was uh, dying of cancer, and we're like the hospitals are better up north, so we flew down there to convince him <laughs> to fly up north. All my vacations are like to bury a person. Oh, yeah. No, I totally get that. Uh, also, the hospitals down here have gotten much better. Like we would have kept your grandpa alive <laughs> because most people when I'm like, oh, I'm in Boca, 80 percent of people are like, oh, my grandfather's there. Or it's like he <laughs> yeah. was there and now he's dead. Damn. And we're going to go visit his uh, his grave. Even Mike was like he would come down to David, and that that was you know his dad passed away, so he was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm coming back to Davy. Oh wow, wow, yeah. But I think he's he's got still family here. Anyway, this took a weird tangent, and that's fine. Yeah, it you, ain't death. It's Florida. Come on. Look, we're we're great. We even have our own. There's even a, there's literally there's a Boca Raton Championship Wrestling. Wow. And it gets like national guys like the those two. Uh, uh, I'm gonna be respectful. Titus. What? Titus? No, those goofs um, that I always make fun of that are now with Jake Roberts. Oh, the, yeah. The, the Lance uh, Archer's the buddies. Righteous, the, righteous? the Righteous. Yes, yeah. the Righteous were here for one of those shows recently. Um, I got to go. one because it always It's always when I'm away. Like, they literally had one last weekend. And it'd be fun. Like Brutus the Barber Beefcake comes to these things, like Jake the Snake Roberts, and they get a lot of young talent. So it might be fun to go check out one of those shows if it's ever down here. I haven't been to a, like a wrestling show in a while. Yeah, I miss the. Um, you know, we we re- we throw around Carney a lot on um on this podcast, but we do not see it on a weekly basis. Um, on television, at least that Carney shit. I, I I do need to go to like a VFW hall and 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 get the Carney vibes again because it's it's a part of wrestling I love so much. You know where you actually get the vibe um, is NXT when they when they're touring in Florida, they they're playing. Like I saw NXT in like a VFW hall. 
No shit. So it's it's great because when you see NXT on television, it's oh you're in the performance center, and then when they go to like big arenas for their pay per views. But when they're doing the local loop and they're playing some of these small towns like Fort Pierce, you're playing like an armory in front of like a hundred people, and they're forced to set up the chairs and they work the front door. Or they take your tickets or whatever it may be. You or the popcorn vendors are all the workers. So I love that they do that. Yeah, that shit rules. That was actually how I first met uh, Luchasaurus. Wow. He was the guy who was responsible for if they had tickets set aside for you, you had to like go to like the the, the guy working with the envelopes. Oh, he worked coat check. Pretty much, it's Florida. What coat check? Luchasaurus at coat check, dude. Yeah. Well, he's a no, he's a. Have you? I don't. I don't know if you've seen him without his his shtick on. Um, he's a yeah, pretty smart guy. Yeah, yeah he, he was on Big Brother. He was actually good on Big Brother. But he's like a really well spoken, smart guy. That yeah, all those masked wrestlers are. I don't know about all of them. I, I've met he's smart I, enough I, to know that they should have separate lives where they read books and shit. Well, it's like how I let like Penta and Phoenix when I worked with them faked not being able to speak English. Oh, I love that. Good. Just to Which, not talk to you? Hell yeah. Well, well obviously not to talk, to talk to anybody. <laughs> and then we found it after the fact. Like, oh, it was a work. Like, we, they, someone had to go get him for something. And like, we that's like, oh, no, no, they, they understand exactly what you're saying. They just want to keep to themselves. I'm like, you got to fucking love it. Uh, speaking of Penta, Dynamite. Hell yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Dynamite or Dud. Uh, we are a week and a half away from full gear, which yeah, is crazy. It feels, hey, it feels like it. Don't say it doesn't feel like it. This is the first time it feels like they're approaching the pay-per-view properly. Yeah, because they, oh, they announced this match. Stand, right? Because they announced like two of these matches like seven months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like MJ has been feuding with Jay White since 2004. I know. It's, I love it. It's been going on a long time. So Dynamite opens with MJF in the back. Uh, we get Adam Cole on the screen who says, hey, you should probably take Samoa Joe up on his offer. Uh, we again get Danny Garcia who pops up because MJF is facing Garcia on the on Dynamite for the title to open the show. And then Roderick Strong shows up and screams at him. <laughs> um, it's Daniel Garcia versus MJF. So here's where my, my daughter came out uh, into the room. And bless her heart, like, she's at the age, she's, she's 10, of trying to, like, understand what dad likes and follow it. So she loves college football. She loves the Gators. It's it's awesome. She likes watching college game day. It's fun. She kind of understands wrestling because she knows that I used to work in it. And she she's heard of Cena. Uh, she knows who The Miz is because The Miz has been on Nickelodeon a bunch. She knows who Xavier Woods is because he's been on Nickelodeon. Anybody uh, who's been slimed. She pretty knows. much anyone who's been slimed. Yeah. Uh, and she obviously she knows who Max is. So MJF comes out and they're like, he's the world champion. She's like, wait, why doesn't he have his belt on? I'm like, it's a long story. Don't worry about it. And then she sees Danny Garcia and she's like, oh, this is for the title. Like, he must be a really important guy, right? I'm like, no, but it's for the title, right? I'm like, yeah. It's like, I thought the title was important. I'm like, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then, and then she sees Danny Garcia dancing. In the middle of the match, like, so, like, is he not taking it seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I swear, dude, I swear to you. I'm like, 
I'm like just uh, wrestling is is too stupid for you as a 10 year old just yeah. leave it be uh but yeah we get Danny Garcia versus MJF in a in a world title match which is what sparked the whole Mike and Dan just being like what the fuck is this company doing because the whole thing that made MJF special was he was only on dynamite usually just cutting a promo he maybe wrestled like six times a year and every time he wrestled it felt like an event and here he was in the opening match wrestling Garcia for the title when you're a week and a half away from full gear uh yeah well look I'll agree with I do not think it should have been for the title uh I disagree with using him in the ring as much as they are I think it's part of the storyline is that not just that he's this you know defending champion or or working champion but there's this other aspect of oh wait is he the devil and so all these baby face things he he does all, all, every time he sticks his neck out there's still questions even though he's making us question him less and he's proving us wrong but that's part of it and that's why we're seeing him so much yeah. because he needs to continue to prove us wrong that he's not the devil he's genuinely a baby face and so those moments of forced baby facedness um they feel intentional because there's that aspect of he's gonna pull the rug out from under you or is he i, I hope that's and the he's case. fucking leaving in in a few months yeah look I, I have a feeling he will be but i feel like he's also as a person as as max the person He's genuinely trying to lift up as many people as he can. And he thinks in his mind he's Flair. Like Flair was the guy when he was the world champ where if he wrestled you in your local town, he made you. And I feel like Max is trying to do that for Jay White. He's trying to do that for Adam Cole. He's trying to do that for Daniel Garcia. He's trying to do that for uh, the 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 Australian dudes who's – I can't remember the name of their team. Kyle Fletcher's uh, – what the, yeah. I can't remember what Aussie open Aussie, Aussie open, open. Jeez. yeah yeah the, yeah the Aussie open thing like he's trying to elevate as many people as possible because he's over but rather than elevating them they're pulling him down and he's feeling less special the hope is the payoff is worth it but for right now for me to say Max feels less special is really a condemnation of how far it's kind of come you see here's why I think he does feel special, or at least in this episode, right? Let's just like stick to this episode. Yeah. I thought that intro was unbelievable. The fact that you got like three or four guys interacting with him yeah. before you even get the introduction of the show and the pyros. Uh, I thought it was well laid out, got me excited for the show. And for Max, I mean, he cut a promo on like three people before the show even starts. Sure. So I, I think that's part of it. You're not just getting a guy who's, good in the ring and you know i think some of his babyface stuff is it it makes the in-ring work uh not as great which is kind of intentional too right yes um, but i do think because there's the consistent use of him in backstage promos in store in grabbing the microphone and saying something he still feels special because nobody says dude the way they ended the show that shit he said about the you got the gun but you know you're gonna pull the trigger like He's still the best on the mic. Yeah, he is. But but you're you're uh, now I'm going to sound like a patronizing old man, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> you're a little young to remember with The Rock when 
you got a little too much of a good thing. And he would find himself in certain feuds, like his Billy Gunn feud, where he was being spread too thin and they were using him a lot. And he, it's not that he himself was bad. He just felt less special. And I feel like Max kind of feels a little less special because he's trying to do so many things for this company. He is sure. really putting the company on his back, which is insane when you look at the number of guys they have. Um, after this match, there was a really nice uh, video package from Mark Briscoe and Jay White. This was 100% why I was in favor of Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor before was to get that video package and be able to show what these guys used to be able to do and showing young Jay White and showing him and Mark Briscoe's interactions in the past made this feel like a more special main event than it probably would have felt otherwise. Yeah, I saw this video. I love this video. And then I wrote down, we should have been seeing Mark Briscoe. Yeah. It's weird that like, was, was, I can't even remember. Was he injured? Is that why he's been off for so long? I don't know. I don't know. Like, he just vanished for a while. Yeah, he's someone who should have a real singles run. It's, yeah. yeah, it sucks. He's Singer someone who's title that was vacated left in the ring that he could just pick up. I don't know what you're talking about. They would never do. They value titles here. Uh, they also value Sting. Sting only <laughs> has until March of 2024. Every opportunity for Sting to step foot in the ring is a major event. They have a roster stacked with world-class young talent who are chomping at the bit and would kill to step in the ring with Sting. And knowing that, we get Sting and Darby Allen against the Outrunners. <laughs> listen, listen, it ain't a dream match, okay? <laughs> By you any think? Way. And it is, because there is that thing of, you know, there's guys in the back who a dream of theirs would be to wrestle Sting. And now that he's leaving soon, they know they're not going to be able to. And, oh, my goodness, these guys out of nowhere get to wrestle Sting. Who the fuck are they? Right? And you're like uh, Jungle Boy or something, even though I think he's yeah. probably wrestled Sting because I feel like everybody's wrestled Sting at this point. And maybe that's part of it is everybody has kind of been in the ring with him. The, the one thing I did think w with this, and this is just me being nice because I don't know if it's true, uh, they look like guys that Sting would practice his wrestling with. You know how The Rock loved uh, Kurt Hennig's kid? Yeah, Curtis, Curtis Axel. Axel. Yeah. Loved him because he would practice with him. When I saw this, I'm like, oh, these are guys that Sting goes back and forth with because they're some of the only guys who are Sting's size in that company, which is hilarious. They're like two guys that are like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, Everybody's like 5'11 in that company. Well, you still have the Butcher and the Blade. Robert, I'm saying if, if there are at least people we've seen on TV, these guys look like they came off WCW Saturday night. Sting has had his way with the butcher and the blade. Don't you? Don't you recall, Robert? <laughs> I, bl I black all this stuff out. Um, so believe it or not, Sting and Darby actually beat the Outrunners. I know, shocking. Um, my big thing is like the dude is is old, and do you want to risk him getting physically hurt? in a match with the Outrunners, because knowing the luck that AEW has had with injuries, like, I can see something bad happening with him in a match, like, taking a wrong step or something, and you'd be pretty pissed if Sting's career had to end because he got injured in a match with the Outrunners. I would wrap this dude in bubble wrap. 
Oh, no, I know. I mean, wrestling is a really fragile thing. We've seen guys hurt themselves just getting into the ring. Young guys. Yes, we saw Adam Cole hurt himself. Brother, I know. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is risky. I, I agree it's risky. But I can't, I can't technically complain about Sting wrestling dudes. I can't. It's just a weird match to put him in. Um, and then we're getting the six-man tag on, on Collision with them with Adam Copeland against Lance Archer. And you literally just said their names, and I already forgot them. The Revival? The Righteous? The Righteous. Yeah, yeah. The Righteous, yes. Um, the, the Revival is FTR. The Revival is FTR, yes, I know. Who are facing uh, El Ijo to Vikingo and uh, Commander. I think I know. On. I gotta. I, I I'm gonna do a Patreon about the last few weeks of Rampage, because each episode of Rampage the last few weeks has had one match that has blown my mind. So I'm gonna do a Patreon where I just talk about about these, uh, yeah, four or five matches that have just been awesome that I haven't been able to speak on. Isn't there literally like a Santana Ortiz feud that just exists on Rampage? It ended already. Yeah. It ended. Yeah, it ended on Rampage, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, something that has not ended yet is the Tony Storm Sheeta feud. They did a contract signing in black and white. Tony Storm is awesome. She yeah. is showing, like, I feel like she's just trying to show the WWE they never should have wasted her with the whole, like, we're going to hit you in the face with pies because this bit is fantastic. Sheeta. It's so good. I wish, you know, I think she's going to win. Also, it's. Now, is it L.A. Full Gear? Where's Full yes, Gear? Yes, it's Los Angeles. Yeah, to have this Hollywood gimmick win in L.A. is such a blast. I only wish it was her first run. This is going to be her third run. I'm like, I don't even remember her having the title ever, dude. <laughs> dude she, when she said that, she's like, you know, I'm going to win the title for the third time. I was like, you've been champion twice already? Yeah, I'd bury that. I would be like, the old Tony's dead. This is like, you know... This is my Oscar victory. Exactly. I like I'm finally winning the Oscar. I would have loved that. Um, but yeah, it's they're they're playing it up. They're giving her something to do. They're giving the women's division something to do. So I'm okay with that. Uh, we get Swerve versus Penta, which obligatory have to say, but like both MLW guys. So cool to see that. A really fun match and a good preview of why. Had they taken the time to have built Swerve properly before, he would be your top heel in the company right now. Sure, sure. And there's still time. And there's so still plenty of time. And that was part of the conversation that sparked with, with Mike and Dan and I was looking at who they're getting behind in the company and who they should. Jay White does not yet still feel like he is a main event heel swerve feels like he is a main event heel and he's a guy that if they were doing swerve mjf i think that would be more impactful than jay white mjf right now yeah i think i think jay white is hindered not by bullet club gold i think they rule i think he's great on the mic i think his in ring work is great i think the story of i have your belt and i'm being a better champion than you it doesn't even make sense and he's not even committing to it it's a bad bit, and so... Well, he also stole the title, the like, thing he's four months ago. Ass. Yeah, it's just like a... It, it, it's a um, it's a boring subject he has to speak on, and so he's great. I wish this feud had, like, real, real heat to it, and the reason it doesn't... Oh, it got heat. Content, then they had to get rid of that heat. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with people saying Jay White doesn't feel like a main event guy, but I think it's because of the, the story he has to go with right now, which sucks. I think when they have the match, you're going to go, oh, there he was. Why did he have to do this dumbass holding your title thing? The same reason we said that going into the Danielson-MJF match, and they did that whole thing of Max being like, oh, yeah, I was in that car accident with that girl. Oh, yeah, I forgot about You're that. You're like, what? you don't need it. No. Um, This Swerve-Penta match had, a, had the weirdest thing they said on commentary. Like, because of what Swerve did, Hangman is banned from ringside during the match. First of all, if you're not one of the competitors in the match, why would you be allowed outside out, outside of the ring anyway? So like, why call attention oh, to hmm. the second this match is over, Hangman's going to come out, and then Hangman beat the shit out of Swerve, so we got the catharsis. We got the whole, like, I, I, like I'm chomping at the bit to see Hangman get revenge for what Swerve did, like, fucking with his baby, and I got it for free. Yeah, well, I think the, the you know, the... Hangman murdering um, Swerve at the end of the match, what we got, that type of fire we should have got from Hangman last week because the baby incident happened now. It's three weeks ago, three dynamites ago. Uh, And so that should have happened last week from Hangman. But the Penta-Swerve match was unbelievable. I mean, I was... Oh, it was fantastic. You're crazy about this match. And I thought Hangman was amazing at the end. And... uh, and 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 a really great spot of you know obliterating swerve off the uh, off the edge of the stage. So I, I thought all of this was awesome. I, I think it was awesome. I just I'm worried that you you blew everything off too early. I would have saved this until like the pay per view. Uh, we got a Bullet Club Gold promo in the back where they kept talking about graphs. I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. Oh, so. Yeah, that's the other thing. I wasn't crazy about this because it's Jay White acknowledging um, MJF, I guess, tweeted charts about either ratings or sales. You know, it's just something in terms of money or views and how MJF is more intriguing than Jay White. And it just all feels, you know, very technical and boring and numbery. And I get rolling your eyes at it when you're trying to have a wrestling feud. I don't like when guys bring in, but look at the ratings I get and stuff like that because you're, you're all trying to do good for each other. And so to point out that people are looking away from you, isn't the move. It's, it's this whole thing is captivating. Not you're not captivating and you're wrestling me. Uh, So I get Jay white being frustrated with it, but frustrated to the point where now you got to have a promo about it on TV it's like, dang, it's just a bummer. I get it because I'd be sour about it, but it's something you got to talk about uh, like not on TV because this company is full of like Twitter beef comments randomly throughout feuds. No, that, where you go, never the feud was good enough. Why did you mention sales. what the guy fucking posted three days ago? Yeah, that frustrated you. Very corny. It was weird. It was dumb. But the next segment totally redeemed itself. Uh, it was Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. The biggest, hottest feud that AEW has, or one of their top three, is this Kenny Omega blood feud with Don Callis and the Don Callis family. And he is united with Chris Jericho, and they have invested months and months into this story. And we're finally going to get the payoff at full gear when it's 
Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Paul White, and Kota Ibushi versus the family on pay-per-view to justify month. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh, it's happening on free TV, and it's to promote a video game. And this segment was to set up a nonsensical feud with Jericho and Kenny and the Bucks. <laughs> well, no, 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 hold on. This was a good backstage segment. They got a lot of shots across, a lot of points across. I thought Matt, dude, I, I can't defend um, the Bucks in terms of when they grab a microphone. Matt Jackson, I thought, knocked it out of the park. He made some, uh, he didn't just take shots at Jericho, but he made some points, right? Oh, you're putting yourself in a Kenny Omega thing. You're making this about you, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. I liked a lot about this, but yeah, you do have to scratch your head and go, wait, that's the full gear match. I know it's going to be a great match when I'm watching it. It will make sense, but you've been building the callous family thing. And that's the thing. Our brains are programmed to assume you're going to finish that at a pay-per-view. I understand you're acting like you're finishing that next week, but I don't believe you're finishing that next week either. I think it'll be a fun match with the big show on dynamite, but I don't think the feud is over. And so to say that and then give me another match on a pay-per-view, yeah, it makes me scratch my head. Do I think these are all going to be uh, unbelievable in-ring performances? More than likely, yeah. But it's I don't absolutely know. fucking baffling. Kenny and Jericho teaming together is not something I've ever wanted to see in my life. Yeah, it's not a dream tag team scenario. Jericho and Kenny versus the Bucks is not a dream match. It's just kind of a, we don't have anything for the Bucks to do, but we re-sign them. Yeah, you know, the one thing they can tell in it is the story of Kenny and the Bucks and, you know, hey, look, Jericho is scum. Um, we're going to finish him in this match. Like, are you are you going to let us or are you going to really fucking fight us? But didn't we and just... That's fun, but again, that's not the fucking story they've been telling for seven months. The story is the Don Callis story. But here's the thing I don't get. You spent, not you, Tony Khan spent years getting to the reunification of the elite. You know, Hangman split from them. Kenny was a heel. Then the Bucks and Kenny were suspended. Like, all we wanted was to see the elite come together and be this top force in AEW and seem, for the first time in the history of the company, focused as their top baby faces going after titles and and being the man or the group or the whatever. We never really got that since they've reunited. They had that Blackpool Combat Club feud that just sort of went away. Uh, and now they're feuding with each other almost immediately. Yeah, but I don't care. It, it, it feels like it has to happen. I mean, I think to not we, – we haven't had Kenny really feuding with the Bucks in a big way. Um, it was it was Kenny and, and the Bucks feuding with Hangman. Right. And so Hangman's away from this, and I'm fine with that. I also think that punk situation with them has been going on for like a year and some change now. And so the last year of storyline involving these three guys have been completely ruined with keeping them separate from someone, keeping them separate from an entire roster, uh forcing things we didn't want to see when we wanted to see other shit and then being suspended. 
it's a whole lot of weird. And then it's weird. So that- now they're together and it's like, dude, you got to make the Bucks heal because there's a huge percent of the audience that's pissed at them and they're better as heels. And you got to get Omega one away from Jericho and just what he's like 40, 39. I think he just turned 40. Give us the, give us the dream matches. Let him come out and go. I'm the guy who your best guys need to get through to get to the next level. So what you're saying is you want to see Kenny and the Outrunners. Yes. The weird part of all this is I get the whole you want to turn the Bucks heel. They won the number one contendership. Why not just have them be the heel team against FTR? Or now who's the oh, – I don't even know the fuck the tag oh, – no, they're not the tag champs. It's, uh, it's Ricky uh, Starks B- and Big Bill. Yeah, Big Bill. Who yeah. are, don't even exist on Dynamite. No, I know. And, and that's a problem. And I think FTR – look, the Bucks – do need to be on this pay-per-view. It's like a, it's a West coast thing. They are the bucks. I get it. But FTR needs to be on this pay-per-view too. And if they're not, what a fail, unless CM Punk is the devil. FTR is teaming with him. No. Did you see how skinny those guys were in their ninja costumes? Those are not, that's not FTR. That's not Dax's, uh, you know, weird flat ass. Yeah. Speaking of guys who wouldn't have fit into those costumes, we oh, – I fucking hate Tony Khan. Have I gone on record as saying this yet? You have a fucking murderer's row of talent, and you make these matches feel like nothing. And we got Keith Lee versus Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor TV title. Keith Lee is fucking awesome. Samoa Joe is fucking awesome. This is a dream match that they threw on television without any build and just gave it away. Uh, I I can't disagree with you only because I think Keith Lee needs a feud and needs attention on him. And a guy like Samoa Joe is someone that you could do that with. And so just throwing it out like this. Yeah, you're right. When I'm not seeing Keith Lee on television weekly, I don't want to just see him with Samoa Joe. I would like to have seen him kill a lot of guys, kill a lot more guys before he fought and then lost to Joe. Yeah. Because then a lot of people are going to go and you already see it like, Oh, now what are you going to do with Keith Lee? We barely see him. And then he gets choked out by Joe. This would have been an amazing valiant effort by Keith Lee. And what was an awesome hard hitting match. But since we don't get to see him all the time, it just feels like a loss from a guy that we're not sure if he's been winning because we're not tuning into rampage or wherever you're airing Keith Lee matches. But look, it was a it was a competitive back and forth physical match, and I think that when Keith Lee challenges Joe again for the Ring of Honor TV title, it'll mean more. <laughs> so after yeah, this match, so oh yeah, Samoa Joe just decides to vacate the Ring of Honor TV title. Um, what the actual fuck are they doing, dude? I I didn't I didn't get it. I don't know. Because also do that after MJF agrees to help you because because the agreement comes with Joe going after your title. So once MJF finally goes, okay, I'll team with you, that's maybe when you can say, hey, I'm giving up this title because I need to focus on um, this other acquisition that's going to make me um, more money and also the world title is more important. But you're not even there yet. And also like never just put down a title and say I'm doing something else. Because you're going to make the title look uh, less important. But I do understand that who can you have beat Joe for that title? Like no one. Keith Lee. 
No, well, not not before he fights Max, though. But, so, so what? But here's the thing, Scott. Yeah, if you so have Tony the visual, too many titles, and clearly, if you have the visual of Joe and Max with the Ring of Honor tag titles, and Joe wearing the Ring of Honor TV title, and Max holding the world title. That's impressive for for a visual. Uh, for a visual, it is. It is for a visual. I don't know if it makes much. Don't you sense. remember when FTR had holding like a world titles? title up though, and then holding up a TV title is like, come on, man, that's like pulling out a gun and then pulling out a um, you know, what looks like a knife and it's a comb. Well, you say that, but also remember, like FTR had like fifteen titles at one point. Yeah, that was sick. It was stupid. I mean, it was it was good, good visual, but it was stupid. Like you could do that with Joe. This was weird. Uh, Orange Cassidy cut a promo with Hook standing next to him, where now he cares about beating Moxley, even though he's already the international champion. And it goes back to what Mike said before, which was Orange Cassidy worked because he was just he was his gimmick. He was just like the I don't really care. Let's just get this over with. So when he does care, it feels weird. Uh, I think it's like a natural progress that needs to happen. I guess. Uh, the Guns took on the Bollywood Boys. <laughs> the Guns, look, they... I've said this plenty of times before. I remember watching them back when they would wrestle during, like, the COVID era in the empty dailies place. They've improved dramatically over, over the last three years. They look great. Uh, they've got the physique that you want Grayson Waller to have. They are a coherent tag team. The Bollywood boys are a talented duo. They were great in, in WWE when they were like when Randy Orton was bouncing them off the ring, the uh, announce table. Yeah, I don't know that I would have squashed them so quickly. I get you want to establish that the guns are killers because they're going after Max's title, but I feel like the Bollywood boys probably had a little bit more value to you than that. And the crowd responded to them like they were big-time stars. So I maybe would have put someone else in this squash match. That being said, the guns look like killers. Their post-match promo was a lot of yelly, screamy wrestling shit. But it got the point across. Yeah, I was a fan. Moxley and Yuta cut a promo about the Orange Cassidy promo. And I guess Yuta's job is to just stand and watch Moxley matches, which <laughs> used to be Renee's job. So yeah, studying uh, tape, dude. Yeah, Yuta's the new Renee. Uh, they aired a Wardlow video package that was at least a good reminder that Wardlow's here. I thought maybe they forgot about him because like they brought him back for a couple weeks and then he just wasn't on, and now it's like. Oh yeah, no, we still we still care about Wardlow. Wardlow's the one guy, though. It just, I mean, more than anybody, has such a justifiable reason for, you know, throwing MJF around and really um, taking that title from him. Yet, I do not want to see that be the outcome. No, because you don't want Wardlow taking the title to WWE. You want Max taking the title to WWE. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, Wardlow's thing is essentially, and again, this is the storyline, not me saying this, is I was a, a slave under you for three years. Yeah. And now I go away and everybody loves you. What? He has every right to fuck this guy up, but it's just, 
in the context of wrestling, it's going to be hard to to make that make sense because everybody loves MJF so much. Well, that's the that's the Drew storyline. He's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. hate, you know, it's like I hate Jay Uso because of what the Usos did, and I'm not willing to forgive anybody for that. Sure. So I, I like it, but we'll see what where the payoff is. Uh, Julia Hart versus Red Velvet. I will say this: when I saw this announced. I thought this was going to be far worse than it actually was. <laughs> yeah, Julia Hart got a lot better. And Red oh, Velvet. Well, well, we're not going that far. It was, it Her was entrance okay. was cool. Her entrance was definitely cool. Uh, it looked, it was fine. Uh, the showdown after with Sky Blue and and Chris Statlander and Willow and all that, I guess, counts as a women's storyline. Wait, what did you just say? The the all, all the women sh- like squaring off with each other afterwards, I guess, counts as a uh, a storyline. Oh like yeah, a, you a know storyline for the women's division. Uh, then they announced the signing of Mariah May, who. Yeah, I guess she's from Stardom. I'm not familiar. I know Dan fami- said Dan Dan named someone and said, "Oh, he she's like this person." Tiffany Stratton. And, and what is that? Because that's the storyline with Tiffany. Is no, that because it's a uh, it's wrestler? just a. A blonde woman who is attractive. Oh, okay. Well, that's not fair because, um, you know, the promo was, and I haven't seen her work. I mean, if she's in stardom, I'm assuming she's capable. Uh, so I'm hoping to become a fan of hers. But the storyline of, oh, I'm such a Tony Storm fan, I thought that was interesting. I, I Immediately you go, oh, you're putting her with someone who works. So let's see where this goes. It's going to go the route of Mickey James and Trish Stratus. Sure, sure. But, but hey. I literally booked this. Um, <laughs> it worked. It, it worked. works. I get it. It could be fun. We'll we'll see. Like, I feel like you're you're trying that. It feels like they're trying to do uh, the, like, Betty Davis storyline here. Like, the you're building up the rivalry with the Starlets or something like that. Sure, sure. We'll see. I wonder how you modernize this fan story. You know, is she going to be a fan? Is she going to be trying to emulate her in terms of I'm also an actress? Yes, it's going to be dueling. It's going to be dueling divas, and that'll be fine. Yeah, or Um, is she going to lose her mind obsessing over her? You're going to have this crazy fan story going along with this crazy celebrity story. Someone losing their mind over celebrity, someone losing their mind over celebrity, but in two different ways. What wow. would be great is if Tony Storm... studying psychology. If you got Tony Storm in black and white, and then Mariah May in sepia. Ooh, I like that. Let's just keep doing this. Uh, Lancer and Oz or something? Yes. Uh, main event, Mark Briscoe and Jay White. Uh, what'd you think of this match? Uh... I thought it started off a little slow because th- this guy had a lot of time. I felt like this was almost a half hour of the show, right? Yeah, it's about 25 minutes. Yeah, but man, did it get there. And before it did get there, I thought Bullet Club Gold did a great job of entertaining me. Um, the way they were afraid of Mark Briscoe, like he was crazy and unhinged and, you know, this guy who does belong uh, on the farm that that he loves to be on so much. Uh, I like that. They were definitely creeped out by him. They ran away from him. Fun moments. And obviously, Jay White does need to win. 
But damn, I want so much more for Mark Briscoe, and I hope we see that. Like, he's just a fun, loose cannon-style erratic baby face. Yeah, man, when he did the bang bangs and the uh and the and the foley the cactus jack uh cactus jack elbow drop, he's just a blast. He's just so good. And he pulls out moves that I forget he can do. Uh which is mainly because he's not on TV at all. But yeah, he he's just awesome and and I want I want to see more of him because his career should not just end uh because of what happened to his brother, you know. Yes. What an awesome tag team and just I would love to see an awesome awesome singles run and not just an, a, a Ring of Honor Pony's Project singles run. I feel like he's got the the likability and the charisma that we sometimes attribute to Eddie Kingston and he's got the athleticism to back it up. Yeah, he should be a guy that um you know, I know the truth truth of the matter is, you know, John Moxley would love to rec- recruit a Sammy Callahan. But if you want like wild boys, the fun storylines are guys like Mark Briscoe should be hanging out with John Moxley. Yes. Just like John Moxley was more entertaining when he was hanging out with K- Eddie Kingston than he was with the Blackpool Combat Club. Because John Moxley, more than he's like this underground fighter, is he's demented. And so when he hangs out with absolute mutants, it's a blast. So give me Mark Briscoe, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. And uh, and another loose cannon, uh, Brian Pillman Jr., Lexus King. <laughs> How about not? Yeah, I feel, I feel for him. I feel bad for him. He he's he's tripping. He he's slipping up a little. Every little segment they give him, he is a uh, faltering. They're but I'm rooting for him. I oh, I I I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. But I don't know. Um. After the match, MJF comes out from the crowd with his dynamite diamond ring to beat up the uh, the the Bullet Club Gold. And then as they are trying to escape, they cut to the back and the acclaimed are getting beaten up by the Devil's Ninjas who throw Anthony Bowens through a plate glass window. Uh, and then they cut to the Devil on the screen and Max goes running into the back to go make a save. And then Samoa Joe walks by and just kind of scoffs at him. Come on, that was good. It was good. Loved all of this. Now, my one concern, because he was put through glass, is it Jungle Boy? (laughs) Oh, man, that'd be great. You cannot have it be Jungle Boy. The problem that you run into is this is the Black Scorpion. This is like, for as much as this company is literally just fucking WCW at this point, there is no great payoff. I know that we talked before about it possibly being Brit. And that she's been trying to mess with MJF because she doesn't, you know, I guess want Cole. Like, once we find out who it is, it's going to wind up ultimately being a letdown. Well, I think in in part you're true unless it's legit CM Punk. Uh, Unless it's punk, punk's the only thing that, punk. Yeah, but it's not punk. And so, since it's, I, I also don't think it's punk. No, uh, it's, since not punk. it's not. I think the best route to not disappoint people is you have to go with the most logical. Yes, we all expected it, but it makes the most sense when we look back at the feud. It plays out like a fucking movie. Movies are predictable. It is what it is. The devil is Adam Cole. Let's keep it moving. 
That's oh. that is a that is a good complete storyline. Uh, sure, we're expecting it, but sometimes the best shit is what we're expecting. No, I, think the, be- I, I think the best story in and week out. The better storyline is that the devil is Brit. Well, well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, you got to remember, there's four people in this crew, and so it's Adam, it's Brit, it's you know, there's there's a few of them. I would I in in thinking about it, it makes the most sense for this to be Brit, and for Brit to have recruited the other guys from undisputed era and that she is doing all this because she is trying to motivate adam cole to be world champion and he needs to be outraged and shocked and upset about this but basically you need the the strong you know female character forcing adam cole down this path Ooh, i like that and then that's and that that's what it is that she's the mastermind behind this and then okay. Adam chooses her. It's not that he was right. the he devil, has to, like he, he like, does eventually like, choose he's her. Weak. Yeah, he's weak and he has to like bend the knee to what she wants done. That's the only storyline that theoretically makes sense. I'm into but, it. I don't know. We'll see. Um let's do high spot, low spot, and then we can we can wrap this sucker up. Uh Scotty, what are your high spots, low spots? My high spot has got to be uh Will Ospreay. Versus Shota Umino, Shota Umino. Uh, this past week at Power Struggle, a New Japan pay per view. It was gosh, it was almost forty minutes. It was damn good. The last ten minutes was unbelievable. Yet Shota crying at the end. Uh, John Moxley came out towards the end again. This is in Japan. John Moxley flew out there just to come out at the end and cheer on Shota. Shota lost, so we now, ready, here's my low spot. We think we're going to get Will Ospreay versus John Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom. And David Finley comes out, jumps the both of them, destroys the... Now, the U.S. title is now the U.K. title. It's just Will Ospreay is saying it. But they're both the same title. But anyway, he holds two. Um David Finley destroyed both and said at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, there's they should make a new title. Or I guess Osprey suggested that later on, whatever. But David Finley does not need to be involved. It feels like a reason for David Finley to get a pin at Wrestle Kingdom. I do like David Finley. I do not think he is the next guy, especially when it comes to the next guy after a Will Osprey title reign. You need to actively sign guys, New Japan. You need to actively give a shit. Uh, I love a lot of the stuff you do, but at the end of the day, the last few Wrestle Kingdoms, the only matches I've been excited about are when you bring in American talent, and it's because you're shitting the fucking bed constantly. Stop shitting the bed. Speaking of shitting the bed, my my low spot in some degrees was a high spot. Uh, The NWA. We never talk about the NWA, and then we talked about the NWA, and we apparently have unleashed a plague upon the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, NWA was on the precipice of signing a deal with the CW. They were going to have a weekly television show. They had a pay-per-view event in which uh, James Mitchell, the sinister minister, uh, appears to be doing bumps of cocaine and in his, like, private suite at the pay-per-view as part of the television broadcast. 
Um, this was meant to be edgy and controversial programming. And instead, it has now led to any association with the CW network apparently done and the CW signing with NXT. And NXT is now going to be on the CW uh, when their deal with USA wraps up. So a, a pointless and stupid shock value segment that seems to have cost the NWA a tremendous uh, amount of, uh, of, of goodwill and business. Yeah, you know, I um, you think they would have gotten trouble if it was edited at all well or there was any production to it. You know, it it's no. literally the announcers cutting to a corner of the room that they're in. You know, they're just like to the side of the ring, essentially. They're by the crowd, just like lazily pretending to do lines of cocaine and getting drunk in the most boring I've never seen like you know when in a play how background actors have to just be quiet but pantomime acting. Yes. It's like they were pantomiming doing cocaine. This was so low level and demented that it actually looked like people just kind of doing cocaine. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what it was, but there the idea is like there this shouldn't exist within the confines of pro wrestling. Um, um, maybe only because kids watch, but that's the, I but that's the point. That, like, if you you're know, trying to if you're trying to get a deal with the CW, you're not doing a pro wrestling cocaine storyline. If you're GCW and you're trying to do something extreme, or you're XPW or something like that, like, and you want to get eyeballs, fine. But if you're WWE, if you're AEW, if you're whoever, you can't get away with doing a cocaine spot. Yeah, sure. It seems that way. I wish. I mean, I wish wrestling was mature enough to handle um, things that every other show on television has. I mean, you know, a lot of shows on TV have things like this, but there's that element of, hey, aren't a few seven-year-olds tuning in? Right, but the other piece of it, and this is the weird, like, unwritten rule of television, is if you are a network show and you're doing something involving drugs, it has to be showing that it is a negative and that it has consequences like law and order can show a guy doing cocaine and then he gets arrested for it and goes on trial and goes to jail. The sinister yeah, minister. Like would, a punishment there on an NWA pay-per-view. That would be the next worst punishment. Yes. Yeah. It's like, um, don't do drugs. We're in the NWA. Yes. My, my high spot for the week was, uh, was from raw. It was that Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn match, the setup for it, the promo at the beginning of raw, told the story well to to tee up we're getting a world title match and then they delivered like a half hour main event and it was a solid match with a clean finish i thought it was really well done and it was a blast it was a nice little surprise after crown jewel and the match was uh it was as scott would say dope yeah but, I'm a uh, before we get out of here scott what do you want to uh what do you want to plug Ooh, my other podcast, Out for Smoke, as well as WrestleRoast's Patreon. Uh, uh, Dan, who is uh, unfortunately under the weather right now, he is on tour. Uh, you can go to his uh, his Facebook page or his Instagram account and see where he is touring. Mike, I know, is periodically on the road with Pete Davidson. Now that the the strike is, is over, the SAG strike, hopefully there'll be more episodes of Bupkis. 
But if you haven't watched season one of Bubkiss, not only is it available on Peacock, I believe Mike posted it is now available on Amazon. Uh, it's a funny show, well worth checking out. You can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. We've got the Facebook group. We got the Patreon. We got the Pro Wrestling Tees store. We got it all, guys. Uh, but most importantly, we have one another, the the Forbidden Dorks. So uh, on behalf of Dan, Mike, Scott, Zach, Logan, all of us here at WrestleRoast, best of luck in your future endeavors. And Scott, what do you want to say? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Thanks, everyone.